Good morning. I am Amelia Richardson-Dress. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont, and along with Reverend Sarah Verasco, with uh, Robert and Lauren and the rest of the staff and volunteers that come together every Sunday morning, I get to welcome you today. This is a space where we are learning and growing together into how to be people of God, uh, how to embrace who we are and also to continue to live into the vision that God is laying out for us. So when you come into this space, I hope you come knowing that you are loved, you are valued, and you are wanted here, and it is good to be together. When we do come together on Sunday morning, it is also our tradition to welcome one another. And so I invite you to join with me in saying the words of welcome that are printed in your bulletin. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Meditation teacher Amit Ray says that breath is the finest gift of nature. And in Christian tradition, we recognize our connection to nature through the Spirit of God that imbibes us with breath. And this breath that connects us in the give and take of our lives and uh, the rest of creation. So this morning, as you think about your week and think back through your morning, what it took for you to arrive at this place at this moment, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Call forth in your mind something of nature that you noticed. And if you didn't notice anything because your morning was kind of a rush, it's okay, just take a minute to think back and see if there's something of nature that comes to your mind. And once you have that, just hold it in your heart for a moment in an attitude of blessing. Notice the way that it might bring you joy, the way that it might bring wonder, the way that it might remind you of mystery. Let's rest in that love, that wonder, that joy, that mystery together for a moment. Spirit of God, as you speak to us in nature, speak to us here again this morning. We wait on your word. Amen. We do have children's church this morning, so if there are any young worshipers that would like to go to children's church, Christina Edstrom is going to lead that. She's standing in the back right now. You are welcome to go with her just down the hallway, um, and the young people will return before the service is ended so they can connect with their adults. So have fun, and we'll see you soon. And I invite you to please join with me in the gathering words as they're printed in the bulletin or as they appear on the screens. 
I don't see any bolded, so I'll do the one and you can do the many. Children of God, welcome. Welcome to this place of hope and perseverance. God invites all of us to share in the good news. In gratitude for all of this, we turn our hearts to God. We are continuing today a sermon series on decisions and decision points. And we have um, this morning a story that might feel a little out of season because it's part of the nativity story in Matthew, but the weather is helping us to get back into our Christmas spirit. So we're going to uh, settle in to that. Last week, if you were able to be here either um, in person or online or watch later, we had a story about Ruth and her decision to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, which is a story that comes out of the Old Testament. And you might remember that at one point we turned and we looked at that story and we looked at the lineage and we noticed that what comes out of Ruth's decision to stay with Naomi is the birth of Jesus. It leads to David and to Joseph and then to Jesus. And so in a way, even though it's centuries and centuries later, the story that we hear this morning picks up where we left off. And as I'm reading this, we're reading Matthew um, chapter 1, and we're beginning in verse 18. We're going to go to 21, and then we're going to skip a little bit to 24. But as we read, I ask you to notice what decision or decisions get made in this story. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. When Joseph awoke from sleep, 
he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary to be his wife. The past two stories that we have had have had elements of decision-making that seem to be about uh, sticking with what you've decided or staying the course, we might say. But today we have this story about changing our minds. You might have noticed Joseph makes a couple decisions. He decides first to end his engagement with Mary, and then he changes his mind, and he decides to marry her after all. Without the kind of context that we have in the story, the visits from the angels and the wrestling that Joseph does, we might, ask, we might describe somebody who's acting in this way as being wishy-washy. And it's not a trait that we tend to value in people. We tend to see um, quick decisions, decisive decisions, as a sign of character and of intelligence. This story asks us to question that. This story lifts up for us the possibility that there is wisdom in knowing when to move on to a plan B or a plan C or whatever. When we talk about determination and about sticking with something, one of the things that we sometimes overlook is that there's nothing inherently better about sticking with something. What matters is why you're sticking with it or not. There was a recent advice um, column. It was an etiquette advice column. And the expert was asked to weigh in on whether it's okay to cancel plans that you have already RSVP'd yes to. And the expert said, it's reasonable to cancel your plans or to change your plans when the information you had when you RSVP'd has changed. If you RSVP'd yes for something and then you got sick, or something happened in your life which was unpredictable, the information you had changed. You were well, and now you're not. The same applies for decision-making. It is reasonable to change our minds when the information that we have has changed. And I think that's one way that we can tell the difference between being wishy-washy and doing the necessary work of re-evaluating. But I also think that it's freeing to remember that this is usually an option. A lot of times we get stuck in that decision-making mode, that decision paralysis that we talked about the first week, because we tend to give decisions more permanence than they really have. All of the big things that we decide in our life, choosing a college or taking a job or even buying a house or making a move are serious. They're important, but they are often also changeable. We don't always know the things that we would like to know. We don't always know what we don't know. Will we like a new town? Will we make new friends? Are we ready for a new challenge? There are things that we can't know for certain sometimes until we live through them. For Joseph, the information that he had changed twice. And each time he responded 
in light of that new information. The song that came to mind for me when I was thinking and praying and pondering about Joseph's story is Kenny Rogers' song, The Gambler. Do any of you remember that song? (laughs) And the advice that he gives there, uh, where he's applying advice for poker to advice for life in general, is know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. It seems to be uh, Joseph's way of living into life that he's paying attention to when do I need to change. In the spiritual life, we call this discernment. It's that moment in between recognizing that we have a choice and making a choice. And unlike the secular world where we tend to value speed and certainty and fast action, the spiritual life values deep consideration. And it values it because we recognize that we are always responding. We are always responding to the work of God. And so we want to make sure that we are observing the work of God that is in progress before we take action. We want to make the best choice that we can, given the information that we have, rather than reacting to a set of circumstances or our own discomfort with being in the midst of a process. It's why Christian decision-making is always grounded in prayer. And ideally, it is grounded in prayer before we need to make a decision. Right? We want to be practiced in stillness and being able to calm our inner selves so that when we face a difficult choice, we are not also in that moment learning to listen. Sort of like Googling CPR while somebody is choking in front of you. We want to know how to work through the process before we need it. Because we can't predict every decision that we are going to need to make in our life, but we can know there will be many, and we can practice making them well. When we look at the life of Joseph, it is clear that he is steeped in prayer. And more than that, he is a person who knows who he is and who he wants to be. It's a mark of character to watch out for in our decision-making. Do your decisions line up with who you are becoming? And when we ask the question that way, it helps us open up to the possibility that the process of the decision-making itself is worthwhile. Not just the decision, but how do we get there? There's a philosopher, Ruth Chang, who says that hard choices give us the chance to celebrate what is precious about the human condition. The choice itself is a blessing, not just whatever it leads to. From a very young age, I think we are trained to think about life in terms of what we want from it. How many of you in preschool were asked, who do you want to be when you grow up? And then you get asked that in elementary school and uh, middle school and high school, and then you realize that you just get asked that for the rest of your life. We are not often asked, who do you want to be? And that's the question that Joseph's story prompts for us, because what stands out in his 
decisions is the character involved in making them. You know, that first decision to end his engagement with Mary almost certainly involved hurt and betrayal and a bunch of really hard emotions that we might identify with. And that decision rings true because a lot of times we are brought to a decision point by something out of our control. We are responding to something or someone else. We are responding because something in life has happened and it is inexplicable and it's not fair. And while there is absolutely room for grief and needs to be room for grief in those times, we don't want to get stuck in wishing things were different or in reacting with spite or quick action. A twist on the question that we're asking today of who do I want to be might be, what is my role in this? In other words, if I can't undo the situation that I am in, how do I act within it? Part of the reason that this story is even here in the Gospel of Matthew is that the author wants to point out that Joseph was a gentle and wise person. Joseph was the kind of person who could be entrusted with shepherding God's entry into the world in a new way, which is, of course, what each of us is about. Each and every day, the most basic and most important decision we make is how will I participate in what God is doing today? And every other decision can be looked at through the lens of that decision. Philosopher Ruth Chang later phrases the um, decision point as an opportunity to exercise our agency. The way that she says it is that we get to ask, not what do I want, but what am I for? It's a different way of saying, who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? What am I for? And when we talk about decisions, a lot of times we try to step outside ourselves and our experiences when we're making them. We think that's kind of the more rational way to do it, to set ourselves aside and look at it from the outside. And there's some value in that. But asking who do I want to be can put us back in the decision in a way that honors who we're becoming. And so today I want to look at that um, using a really trusty decision-making tool, the pros and cons list. Have any of you made a pros and cons list for a decision that you're making? I think this is one of the earliest ways that we're taught to look at a decision. And it, the idea is that we make a list of the things that are good about this decision and a list of the things that aren't good. And so if we look at that, there we go. We've got a story today. The question is, should we rescue a dog? And our excitements, <laughs> are that the puppy needs a home, that they're good company, that they would help us exercise more, and that we could dress them in clothes. <laughs> the drawbacks are the expenses, that you have to get a pet sitter, that you have to go out in the cold, that you don't have a yard, that you need to research dog breeds, and that the barking might disturb your neighbor. But another thing that we could do with this list, so if we looked at it just the way it is, it looks like there's a lot more drawbacks then there are excitements. 
And so, so maybe we make this list and we look at it and we think, oh, it's really clear. I shouldn't adopt a dog. But we could change it and add some options for valuing the things that are on our list. So the next slide shows kind of a blank example of how that might look. And when we go to the next one, we'll fill it in with how I sort of valued should we adopt a puppy. These numbers are fairly random. Um, if you were going to do this, you could do it however you want. But in my world, the fact that the puppy needs a home is, is a pretty high weight. They're good company, that's a 10. Help exercise more, that's a seven. You could dress them in clothes, that's fun, but maybe it's only a three. On the other things, we have the expenses, which it turns out maybe you're not so worried about that. You're in a place where you can afford that, that you have to get a pet sitter, you know, medium inconvenience. You have to go out in the cold, turns out to not be such a big deal because you like going out in the cold. You don't have a yard, similar. You need to research dog breeds as a zero because you actually like to research dog breeds. And the barking might disturb the neighbors, turns out to not be such a problem. And so when you do it that way, you could add up the numbers and see that the, the pros actually outweigh the cons, which isn't how it looked in the first place. I will say that you can use this type of thing to the level that it makes sense for you. If I did something like this, I probably wouldn't need to, out, to add up all the numbers <laughs> because the process of assigning the values would get me to where I needed to go. Some of you may find that it's just that much that sort of helps. If you're more of a math person and you like to graph things, you might want to take time and really think about what your scale is and then add that kind of thing up. But what it really helps us get at is this question of what am I for? Right. What am I for? I'm a little bit for dressing dogs in clothes, but I'm a lot for having good company. I'm willing to overcome some of the other challenges in order to make those things work. So it's a little bit of a silly example, but it helps us see, it's also a real life example, it helps us see why a decision, <laughs> not for me, <laughs> for many people, <laughs> it helps us see why a decision that seemed one way on paper maybe doesn't feel right. And sometimes maybe you've had that experience where you've made your pros and cons list and it seemed really clear, but when you went to like really commit to the decision, you just felt uneasy. Something like this, just this little tweak, can help us ask a slightly different question. Who am I for? What am I becoming? What am I willing to invest in becoming? I recently read an article about Bob Ross, the painter who became famous for his very soothing painting lessons on PBS. And you probably know him because he's the happy little trees guy. We don't make mistakes, we make happy accidents. What I learned was that Bob Ross had retired from the Air Force before he started teaching painting. And when he was considering what to do next with his life, he decided that the thing that was most important to him, the thing he was for, the person he was becoming, 
was that he was tired of the military persona that he had had to have in order to be successful in that world. And so he said, I don't want to yell anymore. I don't want to make people do things with this forceful authority. And he decided that no matter what he did, he was going to do it with gentleness. And we see that, right, in the way that he turned out and, and went into painting and taught uh, people to embrace the joy and to let go of some of those traits that he learned and that probably made him really successful in the Air Force. And of course, we can't imagine his show or even his impact beyond his show in any other way. He knew who he was becoming, and he let that shape the decisions that he made. And so when we think about Joseph, about philosopher Ruth Chang, about Bob Ross, about our own wrestling with our questions, the question that we get to be left with this week is, who do I want to be? What am I for? Who am I becoming? All versions of the same question that might help us in practical decision-making and also help us respond when life brings us to points where a decision needs to be made. And so as you ponder this week, Sarah and I will be curious to hear what comes for you as you ask, who am I becoming? Let us rise in spirit and sing. And you might begin to be calling to mind the people or places or situations that are in need of our prayer. God, for all the things that are on our hearts this morning and for all of the things that will continue to be on our hearts as you call our names and lift things to our awareness. We remember that you are already there and already at work. And so we ask for the wisdom to respond. And we join together saying a version of the prayer that Jesus taught. Mother of us all, who dwells within and beyond, sacred is your name. May your holy vision for collective flourishing come to fruition among us. May your dreams of justice, love, compassion, and connection be enfleshed on earth. Provide us today with what we need to be nourished in body, soul, and heart. Forgive us for the harm we cause as we seek to forgive those who have harmed us. Lead us away from everything that destroys. Liberate us from the hands of evil. 
for you are the ultimate source of hope. Your power with exceeds all power over. Your presence incites eternal wonder. All praise to you, our comfort and strength. Amen. The passing of peace is a practice that invites us to both offer peace and to receive peace. And in so doing, we become people of peace over time. And so again, in this practice, we would say to one another, peace be with you. And you are invited to receive that. And then the response could be, and also with you. Another way to say this is, peace is with you. And then to respond with, and also with you. And so, friends in Christ, I say to you, the peace of Christ is with you. Let us offer and receive that peace one to another. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I know. It's okay. I got a lot of things. <laughs> okay. All right. Enough of this peace and community. Hi, everyone. There's <laughs> a lot of peace out there today. It's good. My name is Claire Sanford, and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I serve on the church council, and it's good to be together this morning. A very special welcome this morning to visitors and guests, and welcome back to those who haven't been here for a while. We're so glad you're here. Our annual winter congregational meeting will be held after services this Sunday, January 21st, we will review highlights of 2023 and approve the church's 2024 proposed budget. The meeting will be in person, right here, and on Zoom. If you intend to join via Zoom, please check your email for a Zoom link that was sent this morning. If you use an old one, it's expired. So check your email for the fresh Zoom link. LaFerrae offers tiered pricing for their retreats and camps, and the registration for LaFerrae events for spring and summer is now open. UCC Longmont is committed to this ministry and has set aside campership funds, so if financial help would make it possible for your kids to attend, please contact Rob at youthministry at ucclongmont.org. The Dream Offer Fund Thanks to the generosity of Royal and Clarice Offer estate gift in 2016, UCC Longmont established an ongoing grant program. The Dream Offering Grant Program is intended to provide grants of arbitrary size and purpose to fulfill the dreams of the congregation, often beyond the reach of traditional funding through the church budget. The next grant application deadline is February 15th, any member of the congregation may submit a proposal which promises to live out the mission and values of the church. 
The application is on the church website. Girl Scout cookie combined event. Do you have a Girl Scout who would like to participate in a combined Girl Scout cookie sale here at UCC Longmont? If so, please contact Lindsay Burroughs, uh, Lindsay underscore Downey at yahoo.com or Reverend Amelia, so we can be sure to include you in coordinating a date for the cookie sale after church on a Sunday. If you would like to support UCC Longmont financially, you can give online at ucclongmont.org giving or using the offering boxes on the back wall of the sanctuary. We are grateful for all generosity. Um, and Amelia does have an announcement. Uh, we have just another couple weeks of registration for the intergenerational retreat that is March 2nd through 3rd. I got to see, I see the list, of course, of who is going, and we have a great group that is uh, going on the retreat. We have a couple more rooms available still, just two or three. So if you or your family uh, would like to go on that, we would love to have you. I know it will be a lot of fun, and you can find all of the information about that in Happenings. If you're not yet on Happenings and need more information, uh, definitely email me or Reverend Sarah or Rob or the office, and we will help you find what you are looking for. Thank you all, and have a great week. This congregation is more than 175 years young, and God is not finished with us. And for those of you who will be leaving, I offer this prayer, and it's also for those who are staying, these words of blessing. As you stay or as you go, and wherever your life takes you, remember this question, who do you want to be? And trust that God is encouraging you on your way because the light of God is before you to light your way. It's behind you to encourage you. It's beside you to befriend you. It's above you to watch over you and it's within you that you may know the peace that comes with becoming your truest self. May that peace be with you this very moment and in all the moments to come. Amen.